let's, let's start uh, start accordingly and see where we go. Uh, so it is. Mikey, thanks for jumping on today. Uh, welcome to the 2022 Challenge. Uh, it's a real privilege to have you and to have a chat around uh, everything that's going on in your life and 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 in particular sort of touching on Pacifica rugby and and ha and the likes of uh, the boys in sort of North and Southern Hemisphere, really. How's it going? Yeah, really good. Kia mate. Really good to uh, catch up with you and, uh, yeah, just to... Just to share the experiences um, I've had in my time here. I mean, I've been here now 26 years. So, um, you know, trying to keep a hold of that uh, Pacifica is Pacifica entity and identity is has been tough. But you know, there you know, there's been some things that have uh, you know, happened while over here that that have made that a lot easier. Not not just for myself, but also you know, um, you know family and friends. You know, it's just as making being made aware that there are other people out, out there on this side of the world who are, are feeling the same. I think that's yeah. that's been the key. You know. did, did, when you first came across um, in your, oh, well, I won't say younger days, but uh, you know, <laughs> a few days back, were there many uh, Pacifica players over here already, or there were? I was quite fortunate. To, to you know, go to a rugby league club um, that had John Schuster there, um, and we were quickly joined by uh, Freddie Tuilangi, uh, Asa Amone, uh, Tongan Lad, and uh, Mari Moana. So you know, in the space of I think it was only a matter of months, you know, uh, John Schuster had been here, been here on his own, grown from one to five, you know. Uh, yeah. Five. Yeah, five. Yeah, five. So it was it was kind of nice to have that. It just eased the transition. Um, you know, Johnny had been a professional rugby league player, uh, former All Black, you know, uh, for some time, and uh, knew his knew his way around. You know, the rugby rugby league scene and rugby scene. So having him as a as a kind of mentor was was key to us. You know, really. Yeah. Well. Um, just so we knew the pitfalls, you know, because uh, there were there were ups, uh, but there were also pitfalls. Um, yeah, that that he would, um, you know, certainly make us aware of, you know. So, because um, I certainly um, uh, didn't have any help from the guy who the agent who originally got me over here. Um, it was it was literally a case of, you know. Uh, this club's coming for you. I am an agent, uh, signed here, and um, you know you're on your way. Once we got, once I got here, that was it. That was pretty much, you know, the last time I kind of heard from him. So uh, wow, yeah. So you know, and I, you know, it was a day when you know mobile phones and stuff were were just down and coming out. So you know, the the ease of contact were were, were certainly wasn't the case. So. Um, you know, I had an email and a, a number per se, but you know, even one of those didn't get. Uh, I didn't get any right. uh, See you later. Yeah. So, so, so for for those listeners who may not know your journey, do you want to just run through um, sort of when you grew up and playing rugby and uh, going through the reps and the national side and international sides and yeah. and how you ended up getting getting over here? Because it's. Sure. Uh, it's an so, amazing story. Um, 
was obviously started, uh, you know, in uh, a small place called Wainui Mata in Wellington. Um, you know, I was one of five, five siblings. We, myself and my younger brother Tana, have two elder, uh, three elder uh, sisters. Uh, so uh, I think Dad was quite happy when we came along, so he could uh, go and watch some rugby instead of uh, netball and stuff. So, um, so yeah, started out at the Tony, and um, that was a really good, uh, really good breeding ground, uh, uh, purely because it was quite uh, an isolated place. You know, uh, back in those days, if you came from Wainui, you were uh, Pretty much considered a bit of a leper it's, uh, <laughs> over, over, that, over that side of the hill and stuff like that was was quite strange um but you know um the rugby club which was just down the road for me actually it was was just one of those places where you know you met all your friends you know the usual story um it was the go-to place if you needed anything yeah uh, and, and they were really good you know the the guys uh, I certainly came into contact you know, in terms of grounding, in terms of rugby, were, were really good people, you know, really good coaches. That's the one thing I do um, remember about Wainui is, was, uh, you know, just how good the people were. You know, nothing was ever too much. Um, so coming through the grades, some really good coaches, um, you know, and we had some really talented young players there, you know, uh, guys like uh, Yogi Rogers and uh, Jason Gilbert. The Gilbert brothers were, you know, um, two of the probably the toughest guys I've ever, I've ever met. Um, then you, you know, you, you're on an um, ad hoc basis. We have uh, Johnny Lomax turn up for rugby uh, in between playing rugby league, you know, just things like that. So it was, is, you know, and then, uh, but the one thing, you know, everyone really enjoyed was playing good rugby. Yeah. Really good rugby. Enjoyed playing hard, good rugby. Um, and having a good time afterwards as well. Yeah. So um, it, was, it was quite a strange, because because I, because my dad had recently, um, originally played for Petoni, he always asked if, if there was a stage where we'd, you know, I think of going to Batoni. Um, and at the time, when, you know, I'd been spending most of my time with Wainui and played in the seniors. Um, and, you know, we played some really good rugby in, in, in our final year. We had a really good uh, Colts team that, that progressed into the first team. Um, and I think the year we, we all uh, kind of played in the senior team, we got, we, we got onto the Jubilee Cup competition, uh, which is like the premier uh, division of, of senior rugby for the first time in the club's history. And it was just like, wow. And that's when you're playing the big boys like Tony, Marison Pats, and Wellington College Old Boys and all that. And it was just like a, uh, just a whole new world for us. You know, yeah, we uh, never really thought about, you know, ever competing on, on, on that level. And, and, I, and I think at the time, we probably approached it wrong and in, in that weird we'd made that competition and they thought oh well we've done it you know we've yeah. we've made that competition so you know instead of you know actually with what we had available to us you know going out there and actually saying 
actually, we're going to roll some people. Yeah. So, so we, yeah, we kind of took a like, gap. And it, was, and it wasn't until I um, moved over to Tony the following year that I realised that, you know, we, we could have done so much more um, with what we had. Um, but that, you know, because we had a different mindset uh, of those players that had really played in that competition. You know, that's one thing I picked up from Petoni is, you know, just, just a different uh, mindset in terms of performance. Uh, yeah. The Petoni were always, you know, one of the big clubs, most, you know, traditionally one of the strongest. Um, and, you know, success was not uh an opportunity oh an option it was it was it was expected yeah you know so uh to be in that environment you know the following year after having a taste of it was was you know what i really enjoyed um just you know, challenging yourself um you know that next uh to that next level and it was, it was funny because we we struggled in terms of uh, the first year, there was a whole lot of new guys came over. Uh, I think we just made it into the Jubilee Cup competition um, in eighth place. But you know, when we were talking about mindsets, um, the the Batoni guys were were like, well, it doesn't matter where we come, so long as we're in there, you know, we're in with a shout. Yeah, and that was that. That was it. That was just like, okay, these guys are. They're in the, uh, they're on the uh, on the dashboard, so to speak, and got a chance of winning. And that was, you know, and and we did that year from eighth. We won, we won the Jubilee Cup, and it was just like my first experience of it, and just how, uh, yeah, everyone just kind of. You always say it, and, and it's like you know, just do your role. Yeah. But it was the first time where you, you know, I was involved in a team that, that's you know. When they said just do your role, you knew what your role is. You done it to your best, knowing full well that everyone else was doing theirs. It was just like, yeah, it was just it was probably one of the, one of the highlights in at, at that time in my life. Um, just knowing what that feel, having that feeling of um, of success, you know, what it, what it's like, you know, putting your mind to something and um, and and actually doing it. So yeah, it was nice. Um, but also having contact with guys who, uh, you know, uh, at, that, at that stage, you know, playing rep rugby, um, I'd only had a taste of it with Wellington B, but you know, the the Wellington reps and couldn't have been further away from me, you know, because of a you know uh, the level of rugby where you were playing, but also as uh, in terms of a um uh a minority group you know, yeah. you know pacific islanders although there were a lot around they did tend to be in 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 a team in your club if you knew what i mean they weren't there weren't too many in the uh in the the top top teams yeah. uh, but certainly in the lower teams you know there was always a team full of you know pacific islanders whatever uh, so that that was, you know, uh, quite an eye opener to me. Um, I think it was wasn't till a couple of years after that I um, 
I did make the rep team, um, but I realised how many you know there were. You know, um, I, I think when I was making my way up there, the only guy that was in there at the time was uh, um, John Schuster. He'd but he'd come down from Auckland, uh, but there were a lot of other you know certainly um, guys over in Polirua, um who were you know big players. But yeah. You know, yeah, you know, got overlooked for whatever. Um, I know there were guys uh, to perform me like um, I, th- I think actually the other one, and, and I don't think they were homegrown players. Guys like Lani Coco, um, you know, Mossy Coloto. There, there was a just a a, a small smattering smattering of um, Pacific Islanders. Um, and I do think um, once uh, I got up there, I did notice the, you know, the, the landscape kind of change. You know, more and more Pacific Islanders were coming through, which was really good, actually. Uh, yeah. Whether that was a realization of, um, you know, the talent that was in the area, or it was just a, a natural thing, because you probably couldn't. You couldn't deny it because there were so many, you know, in in the area. So it was it was interesting being involved in Wellington at that time when I first got on there, and it was you know the demographic was you know predominantly Pakeha. Yeah. When I when I kind of left it, there were more, you know, there was uh, more percentage of Pacific Islanders. So. That kind of, and, and we look at it now, you know, you know there's Pacific Islanders everywhere. Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, it was an interesting time. It really was an interesting time. So, yeah. Um, fast forward to, uh, I think it was 94, actually. I was, I was fortunate enough to um, uh, be supported in to play international rugby. Uh, I've come into contact with, over the last couple of years, you know, during the early 90s, with a, a few boys that had played for Samoa, but were playing in the NPC and playing for Wellington. You know, Timor, Timor Tanganoa was one of them. Uh, Tupo Fatmasina one of them. Um, being aware of my, my heritage, you know, they did ask the question, you know, have you ever thought about playing for Samoa? I said, well, well, how do you go about it? And it was basically, uh, you know, getting over to getting over to Samoa to have a trial. So, um, so yeah, I, I did do that. Um, asked the question, um, and it was yeah, it was it was a matter of just being in Samoa at the time. That right. there was, you know, the kind of uh, indications of it were, you know, there was going to be an open trial. You had to be, but you had to be in somewhere at a certain date. So, uh, you know, raising funds uh, over there. In my job at the time, I was a, a manager of a of a bar, and I and I told my boss at the time, a friend of mine, um, uh, R.I.P. Mate, uh, Brett Hurstich. Who um, basically said, "Well, look, if it's something you want to do, I'd, I'd gladly support it." Awesome. So uh, 
he paid the, the fare for myself and my dad to go over and um yeah so we were over there and it was it was a great year because you know i think at the time i was 27 i'd never been to samoa right okay so for me it was kind of like a a full circle yeah you know, I went over there and I, I spent some time with uh, my dad's family. Um, you know, and he was proud as punch. You know, he just loved it, the fact that I was there with him. Um, you know. That's that's got to be cool for him to be able to go home and take you yeah. for the first time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you get to meet all the relatives all, all as the well. Relatives. Yeah. It was, you know, for him, he, he couldn't have been happier. I was happy because then I found out you know, uh, all about my family, yeah. my purpose, the the reason why I am like I am, <laughs> and, and where it all started. You know, so it was really good. And then, um, basically, we we turned up on the trial day, and and because my Samoan wasn't uh, great, you know, my dad was uh, my interpreter. Yeah. Basically, you know, just you know. Where do we go? What do we do? Uh, here's his name, and and then uh, you know Gosh, that's, uh, that's like going back to when you were six or seven years old. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm 27, and, and yeah. I'm you know, and I've, I've never you know been never as grateful as, as I am today for you know my dad doing that, my mate doing that as well. Yeah, that's where it, where it all began, really. You know, uh, and the reason why I'm here is on the back of those two guys. You know, um, um, and so it was, I remember walking, um, we were driving in a pickup truck to the trial after we organised everything, and uh, um, and just thinking, how cool is this? You know, it's it's thirty odd degrees, driving through, and you know, I'm there with my dad, and my dad's proud as proud as hell. Um, and I just just thought to myself, well, you know, it's a once in a lifetime. I better I better not stuff it up. So that's what you know. That's what my driver was. So, um, and subsequently, I managed to get on on the uh, on the tour that was going to um, South Africa, and not not just anywhere. And, and it wasn't until halfway through that we're, we're talking about what, what the whole trial was for and the purpose of it. And it was just like, and when my dad's oh, South Africa, I said, what? Yeah. yeah, he was trying to get into a team to go to South Africa. And I was just like, I was blown away. It was just like, wow, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but, you know, really enjoyed it. Um, it's the first time I've ever played in that kind of heat. I, I, I just never forget the heat. How and, did you cope with it? Because some people can it's really tough yeah it's tough, you know it was and i and i, and I uh, if i'm honest craig i i, I can't tell you uh, because I, I think i was that pumped yeah i wasn't thinking about anything but just doing what i was there to do you yeah. know it wasn't until after that um um i realized my dad said he says whatever you do don't drink the water they give you <laughs> I said, okay. He said, I'll, I'll get you some water, but don't drink the water they give you. And foolishly, I was, you know, because I was, I was, it was hot. I was throwing it all over me. I tried not to drink it. My dad wasn't there. And I said, I'll take a drink. I, I kept drinking it. And I, and I know later on that night, I was just, I was crook. 
Oh, it's yeah. <laughs> sick. <laughs> but it was okay. It was, it was like, you know, uh, flushing me out. And then we were going to go home. And then um, they also had a sevens tournament coming up. Um, and um, I got asked by um, one of the team managers who um, is no longer with us, um, Alan Gray. Right. I could be a, a member of, of his team. Uh, um, and it, it meant that I got to stay in the in Aggie Grace Hotel. And I, just, I, <laughs> I said to my dad, are you okay with that? He goes, yeah, go, go, go for it. And my roommate was, um, it was really good. I, it was a load of guys who had trialed as well. And my roommate was Alan Blo- um, Andrew Blowers. Oh, right. uh, okay. Yeah, a young Andrew Blowers. I think he was 18 at the time, mate. And so we both played for uh, Alan Gray's team and, mate, had a great time. Had a whale of a time. Um, had to ring back to work and say, look, I'm not going coming back. They've asked me to stay for sevens. And and then, yeah, um, and it wasn't until I think we they announced the team just before we before I left. Um, and, yeah, I'd made the squad. And, uh, yeah, I'd say the family... The flight back was just like wow. Yeah. Um, Dad was happy. I was happy, and you know, uh, again, my mate was happy as well that we'd gone over and you know, pretty much backed ourselves. And you know, but, um, well, it's funny you say that. We always talk about rugby being a sort of a family game. You know, and what you've described really sort of encapsulates that. You, you know, you've got the support, you've got the family there. It's you know everything to meet the family, and everybody's happy yeah. and. Just amazing things happen. That's cool. Yeah, I've uh, uh, never that. It was just one of the best times. Like I say, one of the best times. Um, and 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 a reason why. Yeah, I'm I'm now 26 years still in the UK, and I have yeah. done that without being able to do that. A without the help of uh, my family and my friends. Um, yep. Become, you know, um, put me on the international scene, and that's what it did. You know, so. So yeah, mate. Um, and then went on tour. Uh, first test against South Africa, and I'll never forget that as well. Um, being a young, skinny, well, I say young. I was 27 at the time. I think 27, 28. Um, very skinny, Samoan boy, Samoan Kiwi boy, uh, on the might of the South Africans. And yeah. the one I do remember. And I think it's the only time I've ever felt it actually being scared. You know, when you run on the pitch and you just see these guys uh, like beasts. Yeah. And you're just thinking, well, what am I doing here? <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> but yeah, it's. it's um, I'm going to be a bit quicker today. <laughs> you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Every time I got the ball, I was all I was thinking about was run as fast as you can. You know what they say about running for space? That's me yeah. all day today. <laughs> yeah, mate, I definitely, yeah. You know, I think they're running scared, mate. Yeah. That was, uh, wow. But, um, you know, that was, I think back now, that, that was the basis that squad for the 95 World, World Cup winning squad. You know, all those guys, you know, Pina, um, Chester Williams, um, the, the big front rowers. Oh, I don't remember who they were, but you know, um, 
yeah, they were all there, mate. And it was just like, wow, we. Yeah. But the way the the rest of the boys just flew in there, kind of, kind of, you know, made you, you know, just forget all that. And and really, you know, it was about putting your body on the line. Guys were just, yeah, we got we got subsequently smashed, but guys just throwing themselves, you know, at things that you just thought, man, you're gonna break yourself. You know, and well, if he's doing it, I've got to do it. So yeah, it was just yeah, it was mate, it was good fun. And Look, I know, I know when um, I remember watching some of the tests on TV, and one thing was for sure that you knew if you were going to play, you know, the Samoan boys, bloody hell, you know, you were, if you were lucky to get around them, and you were unlucky, you get cut in half. Yeah. You know, and it's more the timing than anything of the tackling. It's just crazy good. Yeah, and that was it. You know, if if you know they had to be, if they wanted to beat you, they had to go around you. Yeah. You know, and if they were coming, they were going to get something. You know, yeah. I never ever forget that when we were when we were, a we're having our team talks and uh, trainings and stuff. You know. Um, it was just all about that physicality and a bit of skill because the boys were naturally skilled. Yeah. But, you know, whenever we didn't have the ball, you know, the, the appetite for the contact was was immense. You know, with that. So, so yeah, that was, um, that was 9-4, came back. Um, and then there was like a... Um, uh, that's when they were having the super sixes and super tens and stuff like that, uh, you know, with the South African teams and the Australian teams. And I was fortunate enough to get selected for that as well. Um, I think, and that was leading up to the 95 World Cup. I think, I think there was, um, it, it, my time in the, in the, in the Samoan team, uh, in the early part, anyway, uh, coincided with you know the legend that is Andy Irulupo. So he'd been injured for some time, and and I uh, got in on the back of you know his injury. And then there was some question about uh, if he came back, that you know he'd probably you know I'd probably miss out. You know, fine. Um, you know he'd um, he'd played I think in the. Was it 93 when they played the All Blacks? Yeah. 93. So. He played in, in that test. Man, he was, you know, he was a legend. He was, and, but he was so good because he was involved with the squad while, during his rehab, you know, and he was, um, and that family thing, you know, when you talk about family, and I, I hear it so much over here. Yeah. Um, but their concept of family is just totally different. From ours, um, and I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but you know, you know, when you talk about family, you immerse yourself in, in everything about that. Um, whereas uh, I, I do feel, in some circumstances over here, when I have heard it in the teams I've been involved in, it's it's quite cosmetic, um, and it's maybe it's just something for something to say, you know. Yeah. Uh, Whereas, you know, with, certainly with the Samoan team, you know, the, 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 the
It's you. everybody. Yeah, it is everybody. It yeah. is everybody. So, um, yeah, he'd been really good. And I, um, um, yeah, we're getting ready for the, oh, we had another trial actually before the 95 World Cup. Um, so we had to trial again. Uh, unfortunately, I made it and got on, got on the plane um, and then went to, you know, went to South Africa again. It's kind of weird, you know, saying that, you know, being a, a guy from Wainui who, you know, there was a life out uh, on the other side of the hill and you, that's, yeah. all, that's all you kind of thought of uh, as opposed to thinking that there's a bad world out there. And uh, I get to go to South Africa twice. Went there, really enjoyed our time. I really enjoyed my time in South Africa. I mean, it was uh, it was a great World Cup. I thought, you know, um, it's you know, hindsight's a great thing, but you know, we we played South Africa, and I remember playing South Africa in front of all those people, and our talk through the whole week, or even after our last game, though we lost our last pool game to to England. Our whole talk through the whole week was was we never once talked about losing. Yeah, we were going to go out there and you know we were going to you know, we're in the quarterfinals. We we're going to take these guys on. Um, and we knew we didn't have the pack for it. And you know they'd been us you know the year before, but um, on this tour, you know some of the other uh, the older boys were were available again. So we had a hell of a team. You know. Pat was leading us at the back of the scrum. You know, Timmy were really here at scrum half with all the experience. Shinta Tupu, um, again, you know, uh, Brian Lee Ma was available on this tour. You know, young guys like George Harder coming up. Really, you know, we were really turning heads. So any kind of talk about uh, losing, you know, you know, there was never any talk. We were just going to go there again. Just, just measure. Yeah, um, didn't work, but um, and like I say, I remember just about jumping on the on the bus, and I'd I'd been penalised for a few uh, headshots in that game. And supporters were running past, um, giving us a bit of jip about our tackling and stuff, and uh, trying to give some back. And the manager saying, "Don't, don't worry about it." So what is? What do you mean? We were never going to win that game, and, and then, yeah, you think about it now. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know the All Blacks were in the final, and you know everyone wanted the All Blacks. But even then, you know, there was only going to be one winner in South Africa, and and I think you know if you look at it, it's probably the best thing that happened to to yep. World Rugby as well. The yeah, of it was was perfect. You know, there yeah, there was a, another new, you know. It really, you know, when you're talking about expanding the game and, you know, uh, you know sharing the, you know, the game globally, you know, that's what they've done. Yeah. It's certainly done that. You know, so, so, yeah, you know, so we, you know, we enjoyed our, our last few days there. Um, and then I, I head back to New Zealand and um, get back into work and, um thinking about playing again, and then I, I get a, a fax. <laughs> I get a fax. From, uh, those days. Those days, mate. I get, I get a fax from a, 
an agent saying that, look, there's a, a rugby league club that would love to um, talk to you and uh, about playing over there. And um, this is the contract. So I, I sat on it for a few few days, oh, a few few weeks actually, because I I had never played league before. Yeah. Uh, Tunnel was the league player in the family, um, and um, he'd given up the league only. You know, a couple of years before to come over and join me at, at Petoni. And so he'd, you know, he was starting to do some stuff uh, at a Colts level uh, at that stage as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I had no idea, although I'd done a game, um, I had no idea uh, about rugby league. So I, I rang up, you know, well, I didn't ring up. Because the boys don't doubt it, one new rugby league, and just ask them if you know there's any chance I can come and train because I've, I've had this offer. From, Have a run out, yeah. And I, I just go and train with them, yeah. um, and they they you know show me everything you know, they they knew about rugby league. Uh, I think Ken was the Ken was uh, Ken Laban was uh, was heading up one new. Okay. And it was it was really good. You know, I just went and reached out to them, and they said, "Yeah, sure." Yogi Yogi Rogers was still there, and I've known I've known Yogi since I was a kid. So, I said, "Yeah, mate, anytime, just come down." And I trained with him for a couple of weeks, and then, uh, pretty much, because um, because we were also having talks in regard to the the new like, Super Rugby contracts were, you know, like there's a lot of talk about that going around. Um, the, uh, where, where did, you know, Samoan rugby players sit and all that. So there's a whole lot of all that stuff going around. And I, um, I, I think I'd, I'd had both of them, both the options on the table. And I was just thinking where, where did I want to go to next? Yeah. Um, and I, I just thought, well, um, I looked at the competition that, that was being proposed um, and because it was going to be something totally new, I was kind of thinking, well, what if it doesn't happen uh, or what if it does happen and, and I only have one or two years? Um, and then I, the contract I had uh, offered to me was for three years. Um, which was the final year in the centenary season, and then the start of a new competition, and everyone had signed up to it. So there's a lot of stuff going on because uh, there's a Super League in Australia starting up as well. Um, Super League in, in, in the UK, uh, there's the Super Rugby and some other competition that was going. So there's a lot of lot of things to you know to think about. But I think it was also the, uh, the final thing for me was the. We decided was I'd, I'd traveled to the UK before, yeah. um, and it was, I think it was around the the nineties, early not uh, yeah, nineteen ninety one, and I and I just thought you know I, I, I did like the UK, um, I thought well it might, might be a chance for me to go over and while I'm doing this, you know I can go and catch up with some you know people I'd met before, so I, I pretty much um, pumped for that. And, and I remember the boys saying, oh, Mike, you know, don't forget, you know, they're, they're really professional over there and, you know, you won't be able to drink and stuff. And, you know, 
socialized with all of that rugby. So I get it. So I signed up, jumped on the plane, uh, ended up at, at a place called Halifax. And it was just like, wow, we, this is nothing like what the boys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they, they did train hard, but, you know, um, I don't think they'll mind me saying it, but they partied harder. Oh. Uh, but, you know, these guys had, um, that been going, that it was all changed for them because, you know, they'd come from, you know, being semi professional where they had to work and, and train for all of a sudden, you know, this season, for whatever reason, was, you know, everyone was going to be full time. And it was just like, wow, we, it's just too much time on our hands. And, yeah. you know, I was, I was staying in a hotel and on my own, it's just like, <laughs> what have I got to do? And then, you know, you just get a phone call. I'll meet us down on the set 10 in 10 minutes. <laughs> wow. And then we'll be just off to another little village um, that was, you know, and just spending time, uh, you know, getting to know them and bonding, as they say. So, yeah, that was my, that was my, my first few months uh, in rugby league. Uh, we're like that. But then, yeah, obviously you get into it and, um, you know, you, you've got to kind of, well, I am here to do a job. <laughs> At least, you know, the, yeah, uh, I reckon the other stuff will come once I, you know, I get, a, get a grip of it and stuff. <clears throat> um, and then I also met um, a lovely young lady who is now my wife, uh, Michelle. Um, and so kind of kind of leveled out. You know, so the, the first year was good. Uh, second and third years were, um, because, uh, um, you know, we got a new coach in. Uh, the outlook on, um, on rugby league was different to the Australian coach I had, but also their outlook on, um, you know, the off-field stuff. My first coach was Steve Sims, Australian lovely bloke. It was all about, um, you know, making sure that, you know, the family were looked after. So he did try and involve, involve partners as much as possible. Yeah. Um, certainly my, my second year, I, I didn't feel that that was the case, you know. So it was more about everything was on about, you know, what happened on the field. And, and I guess, you know, that's, you know, professional sport, but for it to be thrown at you so quick, you know, it was just like, wow, how am I, I going to deal with this? But, you know, um, I had uh, also had, you know, my future wife to look after and, you know, uh, and, you know, it kind of worked out really well in terms of um, you know, dealing with the game and the changes. Um, uh, that led into my my third year. The third year was was like um, it was renegotiation time, and th yeah. th this was really uh, interesting because that's when I heard from my agent, the so called agent again. I was just like, "What are you bringing up for?" Oh well, the club uh, it's renegotiation time. I said, "Mate, we're not having this conversation. Yeah. You know, I haven't heard from you for the last you know twenty four months. You know." Um, so why it's all you know I'm the guy that sorted out the small well, I'm sorry you know but um, that won't be happening you know? so then then 
you know, he started saying more stuff. I told the club, and and then you know, subsequently, because I wasn't going to go through an agent, um, they basically threw out an offer uh, that was below what my original offer was. It was just like I'd been there, you know, I played three, playing playing my third season, and up to that point, I'd come to the end of the season. And, I'd only missed eight games in three seasons. Um, and they'd, they'd, they'd said, you know, um, you know we, we feel that this is your 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 worth. Uh, I said, well, that's, that's nearly 50% of what what you've been paying me. I said, well, you know, that's, uh, well, if, if you don't want to sign it, then you're going to take it up to the chairman. I said, well, oh, if, you, if you're giving me that option, then I'll, I'll, I'll do that. So I'd organise a, a, a meeting with the chairman. I'll never, I'll, it's, it's one of those things, those uh, occasions that you just you'll never forget. Um, and I walked in his into his office or his building. And he didn't say much. I, I said hello. He said uh, he, he said hello, and I said, "Oh, can we have a chat about um, contract?" And he goes, "Well, yeah." And then I just said, look, you know, this is what they offered. Um, and uh, this is what I feel I'm worth. If, if not um, a little bit more, then at least the same. Uh, because I've given you, you know, games totally new to, in turn, I've, I've only missed eight games in, in, in this many uh, seasons. And he just turned around and he just said, guys like you are, are the kind of people that ruin uh, clubs like ours. I said, beg your pardon? <laughs> yes. And he said it again. I said, well, okay, well, if, if that's the way you feel, then uh, there's no point us talking any further. So I, I just you know, walked out. Wow. And that um, I still had um, a couple of months paid to come from the club, which they did pay. Um, and then I, I had to go about finding, you know, what, I, what, what else I was going to do next. Um, so I, I had to, um, ring up another, another agent, a Mexican agent, uh, an Australian guy, uh, who, who tried, tried his best, but I, I think it was because it was so late in the day, you know, there, there weren't too many options. So, um, I, I said, thank you for it, but I ended up, I ended up taking up a, um, I had a friend of mine that was playing at a local club called Rotherham, uh, which is in uh, South Yorkshire. So basically, I rang him up, rang up uh, the, the chairman, and, and he you know, wanted to have a chat. And next thing you know, I was I'm, I'm down there and, and playing because rugby union had just gone professional as well. So the timing was was pretty good, um, and it allowed me to stay in the area. Uh, with uh, my new wife, because we had um, we would just expect uh, we'd just have our first baby. So uh, her support group was up here, so um, I was uh, I was able to travel. Uh, it was only about an hour and hour and hour and a half down the road, play, train two or three times a week, and then and then play on the weekend, and, and, and still get similar. Um, you know, 
uh, money toward I was on. So that, that way, you know, I could still provide for the family. Um, I stayed six years there. Um, I didn't think I was going to, but, you know, we've had um, you know, some really good times. Got a, got the club from championship into, um, into the premiership twice. Um, you know, got to travel to some, you know, really good places, meet some, got some lifelong, lifelong friends. And, and then uh, <clears throat> um, I think at that stage, when I you know, finished there, I was, I was 38. So, but I'd been doing a lot of coaching while I was uh, at uh, Rotherham. So, you know, the, the, the next gig I was looking for was what had to involve coaching. Um, then went down to Coventry, actually. Um, although I was uh, um, warned not to, because you know, uh, the saying is you, you get sent to Coventry. Don't go to Coventry, you get sent to Coventry. <laughs> Um, but that's, you know, it was, uh, um, it's good to move down to Coventry. It's a different, you know, different, uh, a different place, uh, a lovely place called Kenilworth, where we had, um, you know, by this time we'd had two kids, you know, Jacob was born, uh, and my daughter Leilani were born in Halifax. And then, uh, we moved down to Coventry and our, our youngest son, Caelan, was born down there. Um. Spent 10 years down there um, at various jobs. Coventry um, didn't end so well. Uh, we came across um, an owner who really, uh, and, yeah, I'm not, I'm not bothered about saying this, who really had no right in being in rugby. Uh, wasn't in it for the right reasons, and, and that being that he wanted to make money. <laughs> Everyone knows that if you want to join a rugby team or a rugby club, you know, you've got to be prepared to lose some money. But if yeah. you don't have any money to start with and you think uh, it's a grand money-making scheme, then you're very much uh, uh, misinformed or deluded. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was both. So, um, but again, you know, I uh, really enjoyed my time. Came across some really good, uh, players there who you know, moved on to, you know, play for both Samoa, uh, Tonga, uh, England, you know, uh, and just having a part, being a part of, of their development, you know, kind of really whetted my appetite for, uh, for watching, you know, um, and just watching these, these guys grow from, you know, young 19, 20-year-olds to, you know, 22, 23 and onwards. Yeah. Um, they, you know, get uh, have young families, you know, uh, go on and play into the premiership uh, comfortably. Is, is you know, uh, I think that's one of the biggest drivers that uh, any coach can have. Um, after, I mean, I had, I think I had five years at Coventry, and then we decided to stay in the area. And there's a um, the good thing about the UK, there's loads of rugby clubs. Yeah. You can uh, impart and gather knowledge. Uh, so there was, I met up some really good people who allowed me uh, you know, continue working on my game in terms of coaching and upskill myself in terms of, you know, rugby qualifications. Um, 
and also in the area I came across uh, a couple of Kiwis um, when working with Warwick School. Uh, Mark Nasey, uh, top bloke, and Eugene Martin. So it was really, uh, it was really hard case again. Catching up with people from home was just, and, and working to the same principles and ideals uh, that you have in, in coaching was was really quite refreshing at that time as well. Um, so yeah, just spent. Uh, I think all in all, we spent about ten years down there. Um, um, and I moved to, you know, got to work at, you know, the University of Birmingham, which, which actually at, at that time, making that decision to work in the education sector, you know, was, was on the back of what happened at um, Coventry Rugby Club. Uh, um, because, you know, the, the owner you know, tried to uh, uh, get rid of me. Um, for no apparent reason. Uh, and I managed to win a, a court case for unfair dismissal that he never showed up to. Um, but um, it, it was a, you know, it was a pretty shitty time in our lives, but, but uh, you know, it's, it's like anything. I, I think if you don't go through those times, um, you, you don't get to um, reevaluate, I think, uh, because it, it, was, it was one of the biggest uh, changing points in terms of that, you know, I, I, I look at that situation and I think to myself that I'll never ever position ever again. You know, we are reliant on uh, on one person's finance financial situation to to manage, you know, us. So, um, and then you know, I got headhunted. Um, to come to up north, back up north to um, uh, where I am now, Bishop Burton College. And that was eight years ago. I've been here eight years and, and what I hear is, is I'm a director of rugby, but there's so many spin-offs with, again, young development and males, females, and then also post 18, where we have a university program, uh, but also the connections we have with community clubs. So, you know, the, the college now is, uh, uh, because of the work we're doing with our girls, you know, we're now a centre of excellence um, for, for girls rugby. Uh, um, so, one of the partner school colleges, or well, we are part of the college representative for Yorkshire Rugby Academy uh, on the national, uh, the national scene, uh, which is, again, growing from strength to strength. So... You know, those things keep you busy. You know, the, the hardest thing uh, I have to do is transition these kids from, you know, uh, college rugby into university rugby. Because we do have a, uh, a fledgling university uh, program that probably needs, you know, a bit, of, a bit more growth. So trying to get connections, you know, you know uh, regionally, locally and internationally. Uh, is, is proving quite tough, so we're having to grow them ourselves. Uh, but you know, because we're not a big university, you know that uh, they tend to go to the you know, Leeds Beckets and, and yeah. Manchester and so on and so forth. So that's that's you know probably one of the big projects I have at the moment. So. Awesome. All right. <laughs>
Sorry, sorry, it's taken so long just to get through that. So. No, 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 that's really interesting. Um, really interesting. And so, where do you think? Oh, I'll go back to some of the questions that I was going to yeah. ask actually, because uh, you know we're right, we're back to where we are now. Yeah. So, part of your role as well is Pacific Rugby Player Welfare. Right. Yeah. And you are exec director, director yeah. role. Yeah. And how did that come about? So that came about as a good seven or eight years now. 2015 was the first uh, meeting in Kenilworth when I was, yeah, when I was down south. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Dan Dan Leo had had um, flagged it up as as a as a player uh, about Pacific Island player welfare uh, and had been doing some um, workshops in the clubs. Uh, just uh, around awareness um, and also visibility for for our Pacific Island rugby players that um, there is some support there. Um, so um, he's been doing a few of those, and then um, after six months, he was only allowed six months, I think, by the RPA. He was a member of the RPA. And I do remember touching base with him about it because. Um, I said I'd, I'd um, uh, I think at that time Jacob was was in the academy scene. I said, well, you know, how far down does it go? He says, you know, it's it's all Pacific Island rugby players, and that's not just at premiership level. It's because uh, they are the ones that pro, uh, uh, are perceived to have the most support. But there's also national you know, championship, national league, and all that stuff. So and. As Pacific Island players mixed in all those leagues. Um, so we got talking, and then um, you know we met up and, and, and said, "Look, uh, if I'm honest with you, I, I, I can't see it being a being a um, uh, an arm of the RPA or, or the RFU because then it, it would lose uh, yeah. strength." Because you know, if you're funded by the RFU and you're trying to challenge that, you know, you, you can't do that. So we were talking about um, an independent group, yeah, and and that's where really where it started. And we put that out there, you know, to uh, a lot of other guys, uh, players at the time, and uh, we did have our first meeting in in, uh, in Kenilworth Rugby Club. It's a small club in the Midlands of, of, of the country. Um, it was probably best suited because we were, we were guys all over the place. So on, on this one afternoon, um, you know, guys like Money to Elangi, um, Back to Moore was uh, over here at that time. Uh, and there was only a small group of us, John, uh, Junior Paramore. Um, yeah, there's only a group now. Uh, in the county to lie, he was in the area, Norman Slark Town, I think it was there. There's a few boys over from Worcester, um, Alex Aleki Latui, um, Billy Maasi was, was around, and, and I think there must have only been about 15 of us. And, and, 
and we were in this club and and it was really really uh, um, quite interesting because um, I, I got asked to say something and and my kind of my mind went blank of what what I was going to say but what I said guys I look around this room and I, and I think to myself that what we're doing is only what our fathers were doing. There must have been a time when they went to New Zealand or Australia or somewhere and they wanted to reach out and, you know, organize a group just so they could, you know, a support group. And and I, just, uh, I was quite emotional at the time. I just said, I'm pretty sure my dad's done this. Yeah. It was just like, wow. And, and you think about it. That, you know, uh, I, I, I can only think that that's what, you know, what started their kind of church groups out yep. um, um, and stuff like that. But they, at least they had someone they could turn to. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what came out of that meeting. At least I know now I can pick up a phone and say, you know, guys, I'm having an issue with this. Can you help me with it? Yeah. Um, because we all, you know, the group was small, but we all had different, very different, skills uh, skill sets um you know matt's i think yeah and we all had different connections i think matt's matt tomorrow's mum was a, a psychologist um or is a psychologist um, and had offered uh, her help uh, you know, other guys that were had uh, family members in in the medical trade and, and stuff like that and some guys were um some of the guys had retired and were going into you know, you know, uh, construction and stuff. So all of a sudden, you know, we were we'd, we'd started a, a, that network, not just for you know rugby, but but for everything else. Yeah. Um, and we we had a picture. Uh, we we had another uh, family uh, gathering. I think it was five years later. And you know, from that fifteen, you know, we we did show the photo. You know, we, there was must be about two hundred people there. And I mean, just things awesome. like, yeah, you just like, wow, this is. And and we haven't, you know, actively gone out and sought uh, sponsorship or anything because we are uh, not not for profit. Yeah. So it's it's just really is about the support. Um. So to, to see that many people uh, turn up there, and, um, you know, it was, it was great. Uh, and, you know, um, it's, it's been a bit quiet now because uh, Dan's had to go back to Australia um, where, where there's a few issues that, are, you know, that we've, we've probably been meeting. I've got a meeting with him on Monday, but, uh, you know, there'll be, some more um, you know, talking points we'll have uh, on Monday. So, yeah, so that's that's where we're at at the moment. I, th I think our board membership at the moment, uh, which is a collection of guys uh, here from Italy and Australia and New Zealand, uh, is around about 45 members. Awesome. Yeah, so just on the board. So on our group, if there's any issues that come up, they go straight on there. Yeah. yeah. Of what's going on. And that 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 also is, a, is an issue. Um, is that, you know, we, we could probably be a lot better 
uh, if we were better informed. Yeah. Um, and, and by that mean, I mean, you know, knowing who's coming over. Yeah. Uh, before they get here. Um, now, um, you know, the Fijians have direct links to France. So, you know, getting that information off them is, is a no-go. Uh, I had that, I had a chat, I was back in New Zealand probably a good three or four years ago now, uh, and I had a chat with Kev Senior, um, and he was working for the RFU at the time, um, and I asked him, you know, he says, you know, and we all, you know, he was also part of PIPA, you know, the, uh, the New Zealand um, or Pacific Island Player Welfare. Um, and I asked him the question, you know, he just says, oh, how, how can we work you know, closer? You know, and I asked him the same question. And my answer to him was, you know, I, th I think for us to work uh, more efficiently and effectively is that if we know who's coming over before they get there so that we can, you know, we can touch base with whoever's in the area while so-and-so's coming over, um, yeah, and they might do that already off, off their own back, but if it's kind of like semi-official and they know, and, and it's not just just the player, yeah. it's the family as well. It's yep. just, if, if there's mum and two kids, you know, what are they going to be doing when, you know, there's that training? Yeah. You know, so if, if we have a set, uh, support network up and running for them, before they touch down, then it 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 is you know it is mum that takes a, a lot of the load. You know, yeah, if that load is taken or eased, then it's so much easier. And and the answer I got back was, well, I can't do that because technically the New Zealand uh, NZR are a few players. And I was going, okay, uh, that doesn't make any sense. You know, that if they're leaving the country then are they and they're not you know hired by you know one of the franchises are they then not their own player and it, it, again you know the conversation kind of died i mean we didn't we didn't kind of fall out or anything you know but i just said you know, there's got to be a way that we can get that information share that information and, um Someone's got to. Someone's got to have a duty of care for the player and their family. Well, that's. You think so, you know, and 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 that was the line, that was spun to me. Well, it's a duty of care um, as the uh, NZRFU organisation, that you know we have to hold on to the information. I said, well, okay, if that's the way you you want to play it, then you know, we have to just you know. Agree to disagree. So, I'm assuming they had a uh, support network for them when they got to where they were going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and um, it's really weird because uh, Kev doesn't work there anymore. Yeah. You know? Funny that, eh? Yeah. So, but uh, no, there was you know there's there's been a lot of those kind of chats uh, in and around the group, you know. So, um, and and just wanting to, you know, I think that kind of, 
you know, we, we haven't had those chats anymore. They've gone, as much as we've gone quiet, they've gone quiet. There's, there doesn't seem to be so many issues now. And, and whether that's because of Moana Pacifica, um, you know, that, um, you know, it's, it's ticking all the boxes. You know, that's, you know, it's been a long time coming. You know, yeah, I don't know why, um, why it hasn't been done before. I, I do know the reasons why. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I just hope it doesn't become a uh, like the, you know, the, the sun wolves and the haguares. I just hope this one doesn't go down the same road as those guys. Because it, it would be a tragedy, um, because I don't know what would happen to Pacific Island rugby there. Gosh, I think, I think from a spectator's point of view, it's been a breath of fresh air. Yeah, yeah. You know, the style of rugby you you can see, and we're not even through the finish the season yet. No. You know that some of those boys are on a different level. Yeah, and and yeah. once yeah. once they're I think once they've hit their straps, and it's both teams as well. Yeah. yeah once once they're fully up and running, they'll be a real handful. Yeah. Real handful. Yeah. And and well, it's refreshing. Well, the thing is, um, like you say, they haven't they haven't consistently bombed um, like the uh, the other two franchises did. Yeah. I mean, they really really struggled. Now. Um, what is good about um, the two the two organisations is that you know Fiji Drua is on the back of a really good you know um, high performance uh, unit over in Fiji. Um, Simon Rawalui has been doing some really making big strides there, um, but the the, the and, and rightly so, they've had to, you know, have another uh, organisation that encapsulates, you know, Samoa, Tonga, and and still Fiji as well, because you know, if if it hadn't happened, I, I think in terms of awareness uh, on the uh, scene, Tonga and Tonga and Samoa were in danger of being left behind. Yeah, badly. You know, so at least there's somewhere for you know some of those better players, and and and, and I'm glad they've you know they've done a bit of a, an about turn in terms of availability for the the home unions because if if those guys can have been uh, are not available for the home unions then then yeah what's the point of doing it because then the the, the teams won't get stronger. Yeah, you know, okay. the, the national teams when get stronger, they'll just get weaker you know, because there's nowhere for them to play. Or, or the best players are only playing at either, you know, club level or NPC level. Yeah. If you want to play, you know, uh, you know, the international level, you've got to be regularly playing. The you can. Yeah. And if they want to compete, and if they're not going to be playing at that level. You know, down, down the southern hemisphere, they'll venture up up north where, where there's good money, you know, good money to be made. Yeah. And, and and you know, because if they're not going to at least 
uh, it'll keep the majority of them back home. Yeah, ready to play for, and and they all that's all they want to do. You know, they do want to be able to play, provide for their families, but be around their families. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough when they're on the other side of the world, um, um, and and not having their family around, you know, to yeah. to experience it with them. You know, which is what's really good is is now that the, some of these guys are, are making a really good living that they can bring their families over. Yeah. They get to experience you know a little bit of what what they go through, and that's what they ever want. You know, they want to see you know their mums, dads, and brothers. You know, what their experience. Do you experience. do you think there'll be a um, more players up here? Uh, being drawn to go back home now that there are a couple of other options. I, 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 it'll, it'll be, it will be a question about finance because the money they get over, over here is, you know, for some of them, you know, they'll never ever get back. Yeah. They, they can't compete, and and that's you know certainly for. Um, you know, some of those AB guys, you know, Pacific Island AB guys, you know, the money they're making over here is you know, it's ridiculous. You know, probably yeah. three times, four times what they're getting back in New Zealand. Um, and, you know, the one thing about professional sport and certainly rugby, it's, it's a finite career. So yeah. the issue of, you know, uh, provision for family, is uh, is really intense. You know, you've got to um, always be making decisions. Not so much about, um, you know, um, life. Not that, but it's it's right. I've got ten, maybe twelve years at this level. Do I, you know, either fight for something? That I might get or might not get, or do I go somewhere where I can, you know, sign some big contracts, you know, three, five, five-year blocks, yeah. you know, three to five-year blocks. I get a couple of those, and that's my family set. Yeah. Well, at least we're ready, and we're ready for the next day. You know, those are the kind of things. Uh, I'm pretty sure that, that they have to go through, you know, and even to the point where. Some of them will, you know, prolong it. Yeah. Just to, okay, well, we can squeeze some more out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so, yeah, uh, I, I do think, you know, that, that, that is a big issue. So, I'm just, one of Pacifica and the Drua um, have been massive successes. What are, what are some of the other big successes that have happened for Pacifica? Players over the last three years. Whoa. I think I think on a on a kind of a rugby note, definitely on a rugby note. Um, I, I think we look at you know individuals at certain individuals. Um, and you know, I, I look at you know Pat Lamb, 
and, and I, I say for our for our people knowing that there is a Pacific Islander sitting at the top of a premiership club running a club like that you know uh, having come from where he's come from I, I think it's uh, a success story uh, in that he is aspiration yeah, definitely. He is aspiration for, and I think that's the next, the next thing that, that that we have to look at is is okay. You know, we have five hundred and so uh, Pacific Island rugby uh, Pacific Island rugby players in in the UK. Yeah, five hundred uh, players, uh, probably more now. We only have one coach. You know, and some of these guys have, you know, have done the same yards that some of these other guys have done. But are they getting, you know, the same, afforded the same opportunity um, in the coaching chair, if not the board chair? Yeah. You know, those are where, those are where we need to have our next success stories. You know, not just on the rugby field, but also... Um, we can chat about you know uh, the good work uh, our, our guys are doing, our guys and women are doing at the next level, you know, of, of administration and management, uh, because there aren't enough enough there, um, and and I think you know, when we talk about awareness, you know, unless you've got someone in your organisation. Um, and your awareness will only be skin deep. Yeah. You know? um, so, yeah, I think you know, Pat, Pat is definitely a, a success story uh, in his own right, but in terms of this side of the, uh, the this hemisphere, you know, he's you know, a shining light. Uh, and I look at, uh, you know, Willie Poaching, who's with, you know, Wakefield Rugby League. The great work he's done, and but you know, um, they both had to you know stick out, you know, yeah. been through some tough times, but come back, you know, and and shown you know that actually, you know what, I'm good for it, yeah, good for it, and you know, if they're good for it, I know there's you know, a load of other Pacific Islanders who are, who are you know, are good for it as well. So, and you know, I, I guess we're looking as a board to to you know try and promote those next crop of guys who can be in those management tiers you know that's that, that's that's what we're we're hoping for excellent so what would be your biggest concern then my biggest concern is uh, i think the the biggest concern is is um I think they have to be the performance of of the the home nations. Um, have we got that right? I mean, Fiji and team are, are going well, but then the biggest concern is has uh, and Tonga got got their ducks in a row in terms of their governance. And you know, 
um, management. It's, it's not so much because I'm, you know, I, I caught up with um, Tana just recently over in Spain, um, and you know, he's he said that he's going to be a, um, working with the Money Samoa again, which is is great. But it's 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 never been that area. That area has never been an issue. It's it's the one above that. Yeah. You know, where all the management and stuff. Um, if if you know if we can you know entice someone you know, like Tanumanga to to come and coach you know, our national team, then surely you know. We can entice yeah. One of the top you know uh, managers or execs to come and you know put the infrastructures in, yeah. uh, in, in place and and then. Um, I do think that that you know that that is my. It, it's always been a concern. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 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 it was why, one of the reasons why we started up the PRPW because, um, you know, after twenty years, when you hear about the things that were, well, certainly was for me after twenty years hearing the stories that were coming out of the camps and stuff uh, about funding and stuff like that. And, and and I remember turning to, to Dan at the time and says, "Well, that was happening when I was on the team, and it hasn't changed. Yeah. So something's got to change. Now, who's going to be big enough to make the change? Uh, I don't know, but it's, it's getting it in. Yeah. You know? And all I know is that that person in, in both organisations has to be a very strong person." Very strong world. Um, well, I say single-minded, but you know, you also there is some you know cultural issues you have to take into account as well. Yeah. So finding that finding that individual is going to be tough. It's going to yeah, be tough. So that's why it's such a concern of ours. Um, yeah, the other concern, uh, one of the major concerns again, is is in and around agents. You know, rogue agents. It's 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 gone a bit better, uh, but if 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 there was um, how many Pacific agents are there? I don't think there are too many, but I, I think it's just agents in general. You know, I I, I don't know the fix for that because. You know, there will be, you know, the player, player pools from Japan, uh, France, you know, the UK, all of a sudden, you know, you've got three or four different cultures there dealing with yeah. Pacific Islands um, and who uh, are they aware? Um, I don't know. Um, it's, it's just having that clarity in, in terms of, I mean, they do have the accreditation, but then, you know, um, I'm pretty certain they had accreditation years ago, but yeah. there's still still people you know, seeking through. So um, until there's a, a a a worldwide mandate on on what it looks like, um, and I know that they're, they're continually working on it, but I still don't. I st yeah. Probably competency's got to catch up with the game. 
because everybody else has got to be upskilled from a coaching point of view and a playing point of view. Exactly. exactly. And, and it is education. Everything's about the education. But, you know, we always tell our, our students and our, and our players, you know, the game's ever-evolving. Yeah. You know, so everyone's upskilling. Yep. On the field. Yeah. But like you say, is it happening off the field? Yeah, definitely. Or rather, you know, the systems and processes still the same. Yeah. You know, because you know, we've got a... I think the, the longer the game goes like it is, you know, that welfare is going to be such a massive uh, uh, issue that, you know, before too long, you know, you're putting in clauses for for death. Yeah. You know, and that's a scary thought, but it could happen. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, so, you know, I mean, it, it has happened, you know, but not on the rugby field. I was talking more as a rugby, uh, in terms of, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But we've, we've already had those issues, you know, with death off the field. You know, there, there was one just, you know, the other week as well. Um, which is, 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 it is sad. It is sad. Um, but, uh, and I, I just, I don't know whether the situation was amplified because he was a professional rugby player. Now, would it, would it have happened if it was just, you know, Joe Bloggs? Yeah. You know, would it have been out there as much if it, you know, because the situation didn't sound great. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, we were, we were on the phone, you know, quite heavy last week, myself and Dan, just in terms of, you know, what's the club stance on it, you know, are the police involved, you know, who's looking after the family. Yeah. You know, um, and the young man had two families to look after, one back in Australia and one in France. Right, okay. And you just, yeah, wow. You know, just and uh, I, again, I was I wasn't there, but it, it sounded like a, a decision that was poor. You know, yeah. made a poor decision. So, so do you think? Um, so everybody aspires to you know play who plays rugby. Everybody wants to play for the national team or play professionally. Um, do you think they're upskilled enough? to deal with the pressures that come with um, playing in a professional environment or is there still work on that needs to be done, especially around sort of people's well-being? Yeah, no, 100%, you know, there, there was loads of work, you know, mental uh, uh, support, mental illness is massive in the game now. Um, and it is, you know, um, you know, back in the day, it was just mind games. Yeah. Now it's, you know, uh, uh, mental, you know, depression. Yeah. Um, because I, I think, I don't know if modern age has, has, you know, given, given way to, to that kind of, you know, mental toughness. That, yeah. The older generation were, were, with or had to to deal with 
um, I, I do. This generation unequipped, yeah, probably mentally as as past generations. But then, you know, are we giving them the, the necessary support? And and I'd have yeah. to say, no. Yeah, and that's what I was just going to ask uh, in relation to the to the uh, young man that you were talking about before. You know, how, is there an onus on the on the clubs to provide um, good support systems for them? You know, when they're playing, so that they get that. It's very much rounded, isn't it? Um, yeah. You're a player, but you know, you go to the gym to build muscle. You know, you do cardio to get quicker, uh, or you play South Africans. Um, but you know, making your mind stronger. Where do you go to to exercise that to make it better, make it stronger? Yeah. I know there are certainly a, um, in, in the premiership, there are clubs that you know, have psychologists, but there, there in uh, itself lies another issue. You know, yeah. you know, certainly for um, certainly for our people, I, I think going to see the psychologist is probably not the easiest thing to do. If I'm honest with you, um, and it's like anything, you know, got all these things here for your benefit, lads, you know, and, and some of them, you know, it's they don't take it up, and you, yeah. you know, you've got to ask the question, why? Why are you taking it up? Because when you want to be the best you can possibly be in this environment, yeah. um, um, so yeah, why not take all that stuff up? So. Um, this is what I do think. Certainly, by way of, and again, it's it'll be something either they can tick off or buy into. Um, is having you know a cultural a cultural officer. Yeah, yeah. that's I what think, I was. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Certainly, certainly a cultural officer who or manager who is a can be aware of those. It's it's like anything, you know. Take for instance, if you're running uh, like a situation we have here, we have a performance program for boys and girls. We only have male uh, staff. Okay, okay. so um, I've asked the college if there's any scope for us to um, hire a, a female, specifically a female sports therapist. Yep. Because at the ages we're talking about for the girls that are here, uh, 16 to 18, there's so much going on in their lives, both physically and mentally, that we, you know, we can't, you know, there's those subjects that they just won't share. Yeah. No, and as we did have a female uh Physiotherapist, she left. We had a female coach, she left. So the next time, you know, the next people were males. But mindful that, you know, we're our, our program's ever growing. So we're going to have more and more girls who just won't share with yeah. us. And, and, you know, all we're going to know is that she's not feeling well um, and that she's, you know, she's only eaten one sandwich in the last two days. 
things like that. And I, and I do think, um, you know, culturally, there has to be an uh, obligation to do this. Now, the, it, it throws up an issue. It, it does because then you'll have French, Italian players, you know, Polish. Well, what about our cultures? Are we, yeah. are we deemed to be only looking after one culture or, or a couple of cultures? But then again, you know, is your cultures, uh, are your cultures on the other side of the world? Yeah. You know, you can get your support only two two hours on a plane away. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas, you know, these guys got to travel 24 hours. So, yeah. so and, and some of them will be young. Yeah. You know. No, the, the certainly the issues in France were were around, you know, the, the boys coming off island, yeah, at a young age, yep, coming from, you know, working on the plantation, yeah, with, uh, going to school, you know, laughing and smiling to next minute that in you know places like, say, for instance, Paris, yeah, concrete jungle, yep, and they're just, you know. We have had some horror stories of boys being put up in the academy house with literally nothing, nothing in them. Yeah. You know, and 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 all they all they know is you know to get their food uh, and water and money, they've just got to turn up to training, train as best they can, and then they'll get the money, and then they'll get the food. You know, yeah. so with no support, and those those are the ones that you know we feel more about and, yeah. and the ones we'd love to be involved in yeah. but we you know we can't you know because the club will have those direct links with someone from the island and not with us yeah trying to trying to find those i'm assuming it's pretty hard to try and find those links as well yeah it is, it is. um you know we we witnessed it um <laughs> We went on one of our um, workshops around France, myself and Dan, two or three years ago, and we went to Clermont. We met up with you know the, the senior boys that were there at the time, uh, with Fritzli, uh, a few of the other boys that were there, uh, a couple of Fijians. Um, and we were sitting in this bar, uh, just an outdoor bar, having our lunch, and then there's a pathway and then there's the main restaurant. And on the other side of that, on, of that window, we're sitting two Fijian boys. Okay. And, and we're there, you know, as a support network, support group for Pacific Island. We're there. And the president joined them. I think, I believe it was the president or the chairman joined them for lunch. Uh, and we asked, oh, you know, those guys not going to join us. He said, oh, no, no, they're the Academy boys over from France, uh, from Fiji. So they don't count uh, as part of your support network. And you just go, oh, there you go. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Those are the kind of stories we have, mate. You know, and, you know they, they saw us there and everything. And I don't think they even waved at us. It was just like, no, you're our player. We talk to our people, you know. Uh, the things you see, mate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, 
that sort of covered off that question I was going to make. How much exposure do the young players have, you know, to professional environments? And I think if they're just coming straight off the farm and, mm. you know. Well, this is this is where you got to question the, the high performance unit. If, if they're that talented, surely the, the union have seen them themselves. Yeah. You know? So, um, but yeah, you, all you can do is, well, shivers. How, have you got them in the, in the, the national unit? Yeah, our performance unit don't have them. Now, whether they've been taken from there, this is this is the don't know area. Yeah, we don't know has he come as part of a, a package from the, the union or not. Yeah, so, and likewise with uh, with the Samoan union. Uh, um, I, I do. Raise the question. I, I, don't, I don't know where. Where do you know they have a high performance unit in the country? But what are they? You know, what are they building? Yeah. Where are they? Where are those guys going to play? Yeah. If they're going to develop, you, know, you can't tell me that they're going to do a high performance unit and then go and play club rugby in Samoa. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that's that's, you know, going to be strong enough to bridge that gap for international. Now, the flip side of that is, you know, the, the recent Sevens team that played is, is all home-based, but Sevens is a different game. Yeah. Totally different game. So there must, there has to be, there has to be an outlet for the high-performance units, for those for those lads. You know, they, they might have this, Already sorted by them going, going, you know, off island, either into New Zealand or Australia. But then, does that open them up? You know, because they've come through the high performance unit. Is there a kickback for the union, or if they let them go, then they're in danger of them going to play for? You know, do they have to sign a waiver if they're going to go to New Zealand or Australia? Uh, or even you know over here in Europe, um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, it does. It raises yeah. It does raise questions around whether they and I don't want to say this because uh, it'll come out probably the wrong way. But sort of they do they become a commodity? Yeah. You know. And, and that's you know and, and that's what they you don't want them to be. Yeah. So so here lies the question. What's the purpose of the high performance unit? Yeah. Interesting. Well, it is an interesting. So I've wondered that for a long time. So you know, unless they've got good links with, you know, clubs and people on the other side of the world that they, you know, they can entrust them. Okay, we get them to a certain level, you take them to the next level, but they'll always come back to us. There has there has to be a full cycle in terms of the players. You know, um, I, I did try to pitch something to to the Samoan Rugby Union in 2015, where there was a a, a link uh, educationally uh, and with a professional club, uh, and that they would come and study uh, in their three years of study, yeah, two or three years of study. They're out of age. You know, they would be capped by. Um, the union 
and then they could therefore take up the professional contract. But all that time, they were always the you know, the, the home union player. Yeah. So then once they get capped, they play professionally, they're making money, but they also are ahead of the game in terms of post-rugby. They have a degree. Yeah. When they come out of rugby, they make the degree, start working for them and so on and so forth. And it was just like, uh, because of the outlay, that was it. The outlay would be a three-way split. Um, and they probably couldn't, uh, you know, see the point in, in spending whatever it was, would have been about seven or eight grand pounds per organization. So, per year or over the over the three year period, it probably be over, yeah, over the three year period. Wow, yeah, so. Um, because yeah, yeah, you've got to pay the uh, be about eighteen grand a year. Well, six grand, eighteen grand a year. Uh, but you know they don't pick up six of it. And you, are you asking too much? But I mean that's that's, that's how it works in the world. Yeah. Uh, if if your idea of holo- uh, scholarship is free. Yes, there are some of those, but uh, you know, not all of them are going to be that. No, exactly. So you've got to you've got to put, you've got to uh, show intent somewhere along the line. Yeah, you, and you got to. Well, maybe me being naive, but you would think that sort of the the full spectrum of the player's life is looked into. Yeah. Was you know. So yeah. That they, so that they've got an exit, they've got a good exit, or they've got options. Yeah. Well, this is it. And, and, we, and when we're talking about the the whole player, you know, that's pre pre during and post. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the whole thing as opposed to just when he's playing rugby. Yeah. So much more to that to it than just that. Um, I thought it was a good pitch. Uh, they obviously didn't. <laughs> so. Um, but you know, it's it's definitely given me food for thought because I I have you know rolled that up out with other people and um, had some you know, mild interest, but definitely a model that uh, I, I think can be worked. But that's only if you have the right people at the top. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and again, you know, you've got to have the right finances as well. Yeah. When you're talking, you know, when you you know, talking in terms of financially, pounds to tala—that's a lot of money. Yeah, but yeah. but but you know, like you say, if you think about you know, and there's loads of ways you can look after yourself in it about your your return, and you know, because you've—it's like any scheme over here in academy. You've got to pay compensation if you take someone else's. Now, you know, things like you know, factoring that into each contract. You know, a percentage goes back yeah. to the union. Yeah, and it's it's the scholarship fund. Yeah, you know, looked after. You know, it's yeah. just being prepared to outlay that first one, and then they get the percentage back, and all of a sudden, you know, one becomes two, becomes three, yeah. because they're you know producing these good professionals. 
Yeah, so like you say, it's got to, it goes back to to goes back to home and getting their own ducks in order. Yeah, I think until until that time, and, and hopefully it'll be soon. Yeah, we'll, I think we'll really see you know, uh, home nations really, home, you know, the Pacific Island nations really take off once they get those infrastructures in place. You know. Um, because I know Tonga have been struggling in the last few years, you know, so. Um, but uh, yeah, they've got someone that's you know, willing to work hard, yeah, uh, for them, and hopefully you know, he'll get he'll get that sorted. So. So there's a lot of talk uh, in the in the media about some of the you know senior players who played international rugby wanting to go back and play for their home countries. Um, how realistic do you think that is? Well, it's it's, it's very real. I mean, yeah. that, that's that's. If you look off the bat, you know, we've done a few of those exercises uh, last, well, last year. Yeah, because we were part of Dan Dan had sent a, um, a a mandate to, I think, and and had pushed for for the. Um, yeah, the number of years to be to be lowered. I think they were, what there is, I, I can't remember, but I know he had spoken at length with uh, World Rugby about it. Um, and when it when it came out, it was just like, um, what, like, who's who could go now? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and there's there's quite a few, you know. Um, that could go right off the bat. Uh, someone like uh, Jeff Tormunga Allen, uh, who didn't have a cap for ages. I know Malachi's now um, is um, eligible. Yeah. Um, she was, we, were, we had a load of them. There's a load of, there's a load of names, aren't there? You know, and that's yeah. got to be. Yeah. That's Bias, got... Bias One, you know, he's playing yeah. right here. Um, there's a few Samoan ones as well. Oh, Lima, Lima Sopoana. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's retired now, but I think um, at the time, Jerome Kaino was still, yeah, he hadn't played for a while, had he? Ah. Uh, uh, obviously, Ma'a. Ma, um, hey, was, there was so many. Oh, Tonga had the most, though. Yeah, because they had George Piotel, uh Oh no, that's the other one. Uh, Stephen Luatour, John R. Four. Uh, oh yeah. Whether they want or not, but Tonga had a load um, because they had uh, all the Tongans that had played over in um, in Australia as well for Australia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, the, the, I, know, I know they were going to be the first one. Um, in terms of their availability and eligibility. So, mate, I'm, when we talk about things like that, so I, I remember I had to, no, I had to send a, a, a present a, a report to um, Bill Sweeney in, in regard to, from the RFU in regard to you know, um, which way they would vote. That was it. Right, okay. 
Yeah. So, and and what uh, he said, well, what are your thoughts? If you can put them on a report to me, send it through. And I just went through all these names of what it would do for um you know world rugby in terms of a spectacle at at uh yeah. world cup time yeah you know, um and you know when i threw all the names out there it was just like you know he was he said well thank you very much i'll definitely take this to the table and which he did too because we we didn't think that england would would go for it yeah um obviously because there's also the you know the English boys that would would um, you know, the Ireland boys that play for England that were, that were available as well. Uh, of which, uh, which my son has won, but he can't. Uh, he's got another year or so to go. Um, but yeah, there was you know, uh, and they. He said it was very close. It was very close, but uh, they got managed to get it over the line. I, I think it was. The French guy there that they had to convince, he wasn't convinced. No, or was it the Irish? Someone had the casting vote and and pumped for yes. So uh, it was a day actually. That wouldn't have happened five or ten years ago, would it? No. You know. No. Um, And I'm just so glad that. You know they they saw sense yeah. because you know, that means you know this next World Cup. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, know? I'm looking forward to seeing what some of these teams are going to look like and they're going to throw out. You know, yeah. it's it's um because you know the international scene's been so quiet just lately. You know, no one's you know it's it's like no one's talking about it. Yeah, until until. Yeah, just then, keep it keep it bubbling in the you know in the background. Yeah. It's gotta be um it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, because it's otherwise you're just gonna have, you know, the same old four teams in the semifinals. Yeah. You know, what's what's wrong with having, you know, um, you know, one of the Pacific Islanders you know, nations in in the in the semifinal. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, regularly in the quarterfinals, you know, we haven't had that for yeah. a long time. Yeah. You know, there was, um, and there was a talk around the Fijian camp that, you know, all these guys are going to be available, but the, the Fijians said, well, we don't need them. Well, fair enough. To be fair for them, they do create uh, and, you know, develop some really, you know, really nice rugby players. So, you know, like I said before, they're doing some really good stuff. Yeah, um, it's just up to the islands to, to make sure they catch up and then, you know, but also you know, compete and move on. Yeah, another step. You know, I think once, I think the world and global scene, rugby scene, is is a better place if there's more Pacific Islanders, uh, yeah. more Pacific Island teams involved in those big you know, competitions. So, yeah. You know, I I, I wonder what. Um... What their performance, or you know, all the boys and ladies, yeah. you know, what their performances would be like if they had the right support systems in place. Yeah, you know, it, it, you know, uh, again, all the horror stories you hear about you know, boys that are coming from, you know, you know, top clubs in Europe. 
and then you know and to pay for their uh, flights home and you know paying for their own hotels and stuff and, and uh, their things not being you know, nutrition, medical, and stuff, and, and even putting their hands in their pockets for some of that stuff, you know, yeah. or using the contact that they've brought about themselves you know, for the benefit of the team. Uh, and those are kind of the, some of the stories that you, you don't hear about, but they they ha happen quite regularly. But, uh, I, I just hope, you know, there has been some work done to you know, rectify that, because as, as far as I'm aware, that was still happening a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, fingers crossed it's moving in the right the yeah. right direction, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's that it's that silence, isn't it, in the background that yeah. you know, you, you only it's 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 like an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, you only hear what has happened, which is really yeah. sad. It's is no use good news. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we haven't even touched on uh, your lad. How was how was he getting on? Because his last couple of years have been pretty impressive. Yeah, he's, he's well, he's and it's straight from the horse's mouth, mate. He's not involved in this week's team, <laughs> so he's, he's had a bit of a dip in form. Uh, but it's again, you know, I. Do you, you know, speaking as a parent, you know, do you, you know, offer him up, you know, the support to, obviously you do, but, or do, or there's a part of you that says, you know, come on, boy, you know, work it out for yourself. How old is he now? He's 23. I, and I sort of think about, we had a conversation probably about an hour and a half ago about you and your father going to Samoa. Yeah, true. And how old were you? <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, and, and, and you know, we'll, we'll always be um, as parents and as you know, um, Pacific Islanders. That that family thing has to be there. I just think. Yeah, it's it's funny because you think, well, do you do you not say anything, and he misses it entirely because it's glaringly obviously obvious for me yeah. what he needs to do. But um, the old the old campaigner Kiwi come Samoan harden up. Uh, wants to say, you know, give yourself an uppercut, son, and get on with it. Uh, the, the dad, the dad in me, you know, wants to just ring him up and give him a hug and just say, yeah. you got this, son. Yeah. We're here for you. So, we'll probably somewhere be, be somewhere in between, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's knowing when to and knowing when not to. You know, yeah. so that so that that those messages land, you yeah. know, when they need to and how they need to. Yeah, and and that's that's um, I think that's you know what 
um, living in the UK has taught me more about too as well is is those you know having those uh, timely uh, but also difficult conversations and no matter who they might be with uh, whereas you know I remember one time playing rugby for college and got hurt and I was only young I think I was only uh, 15 and uh, hurt come off and I was crying <laughs> And with my friend, and his, his, uh, his girl, and she'd come to watch. And um, I was sitting there sobbing. And my dad just throws me five, $5. And I'll see you at home. <laughs> <laughs> Safe to say, I never cried at a game ever again, mate. So, yeah, I don't think it'll be one of those moments. <laughs> no. No, that's old school, eh? Yeah, it's old school, mate. It's just hard case. <laughs> I've got it now, but no, it's the, like I say, the, the, the new age kind of rugby player is a, is a different beast. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, again, just, just having that chat. How did he enjoy the experience going back to Auckland? Mate, he loves that. Yeah. And, and, and again, I'd, because I know he can do it, he went over early. And I think within two or three weeks, um, and he was staying with Tana uh, as well, which was really good. You know, it was, I, I thought it was a great opportunity. Um, actually, how did it come about, actually? Well, the club is, yeah. Well, I, I, I said, you know, do I want to interfere with, or, or, you know, the club had said that they were umming and ahhing about his last contract. Right. And, um, I said, well, okay, then fair enough. I'll, uh, um, his dad's got six months left um, with the arming and arming. I said, okay, then fair enough. And I'll, I'll, I'll uh, we were at. And his agent was aware of that, but I, I said, look, mate, if you, if you don't mind, I, I might ring, you know, the family and, and a couple of friends and see if, um, if he prepared to, you know, have a season out and. New Zealand. So, mm -hmm. you know, mate, you think, oh, that's a great idea, but why? I said, well, all he's ever known is English rugby. The whole time he's been playing rugby, all he's ever known. So I think this might be a good time for him to experience something new, a uh, different outlook uh, on, on rugby, and, you know, and also for him to reconnect with some of his family. So, right, Tunnel first, and he says, yep, yeah. Tunnel's at the Blues at the time, and he says, yeah, well, you know, I said, but who are you going to ring? I said, well, um, I'm going to give Alama a ring. Alama Eremia, he was head coach of the Auckland team. and uh, The system was Felix, guys I'd played rugby with before. Yeah. And they said, mate, get him over here and we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, won't promise anything, but you know, if he's playing club rugby, we'll have a look at him. Because he'd played a couple of times for Wasps, you know, they, they were aware of him and stuff. So, so got him over there. Um, and uh, mate, he you know loved it. Uh, I think within the, I think it was only the second game of the season, he broke his arm. Oh, right, broke his arm, yeah, mate. So, rang up and he said, oh, Dad, I broke my arm. I think I'm going to come back. That's why. 
well, I've broken my arm. I can't do anything. I said, mate, look, you've got nothing on. It's it's off season. You might as well you know, just, just hang it out. You know, they've got good medical staff there. You know, rehab yourself. Yeah. And good good time for you to, you know, do some training. Yeah. You know, in the gym. Yes, you've only got one arm, but there's you know, all the other stuff you can do. Being around, you know, the environment. And it got tough for him, you know. I won't lie. He, he had to uh, find some work. Um, he had to get up, you know, five o'clock in the morning uh, because uh, the way they do it over in NZ is, you know, if you're not playing, you know, Super Rugby, you're in first thing in the morning, off to work, and then you train at night. And I thought yeah. that, was, that was great. It was just, uh, 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 just a something he hadn't experienced. You know that what he was going to have to to deal with. You know that actually, you know, people have to work for a living. You know, and and try and be the best rugby player they can possibly be. Yeah. And he got through that. Um, you know, his arm came out. He was rugby, and he had a really good season with Eden. Um, they got to the final. Um, and they said Jacob was a was you know a pretty big part of that, and then you know got picked up by Auckland, um, and you know really enjoyed his time there. You know, just we managed to get out and watch his first couple of games as well, and also catch up with Tana. So you know nice. he's definitely grown in those you know six months. He's grown you know, into more of a, a young man. Yeah. Um, and having to fend for himself. I, I thought, you know, yes, it was good that he got, you know, um, got to play NPC. Uh, a lot of people saw that, but, you know, what they didn't see that he had to, yeah, he had to, you know, fight for it. You know, he had to, you know, get through an injury. Um, you know, work, work alongside guys that don't have to work. And, you know, so, so he really enjoyed that. And he's, again, he made... Some lifelong uh, mates just in that short amount of time. But yeah, more importantly for me, just you know him having to work work through it was was key. Yeah, that's because I see that Joe Joe Marchant's been across. He played yeah. for the Blues, you know, last season, and I think that it's done wonders for his game. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, a great opportunity for the guys if they get it. Yeah, yeah. is it? The thing is, I, I, you know, I feel that that's, that Kiwi and me would would love him to just to, you know, try and get a taste every year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but uh, no, because the plan was for him to come back, finish off his uh, contract, and um, go back. But he uh, came back and had a really good season with his loan club, and then you know played well. Um, for for wasps and the games he played, but they, they said, "Well, you know, actually they're they're going to sign him up." So, yeah. But like I say, he's uh, two games to go, and he's you know he's probably found him. He's going through a bit of a tough time, but uh, I'm sure he'll get it. Yeah, yeah you just got to keep working. Yeah, as long as you're prepared to do that, I'm sure he'll be fine. So yeah, awesome, awesome. <laughs> Well, I think uh, we've we've had a bit of a chinwag for a while, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, no, I think 
bloody good, mate. Uh, I love these these opportunities, mate, just to talk with uh, you know, like-minded people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, just share. Mate. Yeah. And there's not enough of it, really. Um, um, so, you know, that would be certainly one thing that we're trying to do next time we uh, catch up as a group, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think one of our uh, on our to do list was 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 going to be a um, a, a weekend uh, adventure weekend. Oh, yeah, going somewhere, you know, doing something like the peaks. Awesome. Uh, and just you know, as a group, going up and you know, spending time talking and sharing, and, and but actually doing something active. Yeah. Just, you know, just to see you know, where everyone's at. Yeah. Well, if, give me a shout. I'll come along. I'll tag along. Yeah, man, for sure. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Always up for that. Oh, you're not far away anyway, are you? Say again? You're not too far away, are you? So, uh, no, I'm in Bradford, so yeah. it's all good. It's not far. Just, I know we're on here, but um, the June. So I'm I'm holding a um an umu over here, uh, oh, yeah. over at the college. So um, I just trying to get as many Pacific Island families over here. Um, a bit like we've done over at Halifax. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's because it's a weekend where most of the rugby league families are off. Yeah. Uh, just sort of be you know, and the season's over for rugby union anyway. So I'm just going to try and get as many PI people over here as as possible. Put what, what date's that again? That's June the 19th. It's a Sunday. Cool. I'll speak to Rose. That should be good. Yeah. Nice. That'd be awesome. And how's your boy doing? Oh, he's loving it. Yeah. He's loving it. Um, he made the not Waco 19s. Yeah. Um, I think he's he can't qualify for the... Uh, Chiefs 20s because he's too old. Oh, really? Uh, just because of the timing of going over. Oh, and, um, that's about to start, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they just announced yeah. the teams. Uh, so it was one of them, his mates that's propping with him. Uh, club rugby has just been selected. So, oh. yeah, n- nice celebration there. But, you know, he's uh, one of their coaches has uh, been playing over in La Rochelle. And uh, so he's, he's uh, I think he's just about to finish. So he's been playing hooker as well. So Kieran's sort of getting as much information off him as possible and just struck up a really good relationship. So his next pathway is through MPC. So he's just working hard, trying to, you know, do the right things, his role, and and uh, seeing where it goes. Oh, nice. Yeah. But he's, he said, if it doesn't work out there, He's going to France. Really? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? So, we'll see how it goes. He's just loving it. He's building kitchens, and I think he wants to do his apprenticeship as a as a cabinet maker or a joiner. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. you know, if he gets an opportunity, I said, look, go to uni, study Tadeo, or study yeah. Spanish. Yeah. You know, Languages, man. That's where it's at. Yeah. It's too easy. So so good if you've got a language. Yeah, so. oh, exactly. Hey, um, after everything that we've spoken about, uh, yeah. for the listeners, what do you think uh, would be uh, your biggest recommendation for 
well, I suppose it could be for Pacifica people, but it can be also for every every other person wanting to play rugby and you know venturing out to that big world. Uh, yeah, I, I think it, it'd have to be you know the thing around education is making sure you've got that. Um, you know, really um, thankful to a really nice guy um, called David Kirk. You know, when he came to Wellington, yeah, we were um, there was a few of us Pacific Islanders um, in the squad at the time, and you know, we weren't doing much in terms of work. And because he had such a network, a really good network, what he'd do in the morning, um, and some of the, uh, I think it was twice twice a week, he'd put on um, uh, seminars for us. Just wow. in terms of, yeah, man, it was at the time, you know, it was just like, oh, but he'd put on seminars with, with contacts he had in the business world, just about, you know, life after, you know, uh, life after rugby or, or life in general, yeah. um, education, re-educating yourself. And so he, he, he'd done that and he'd done that for us. And, uh, and it was just, you know, again, you know, Meeting people like that, you just think there are people out in the world who want to help. Yeah. You know, and, and he came to Wellington as a rugby coach, but he gave us so much more. Yeah. You know. Um, so is this is this David Kirk? World Cup winning captain. Right. Yeah. David Kirk. You know, and, and here we are. We just think, oh, fuck, you know us from... Yeah. And he got talking to he just got talking to the group and he said, Well, if you guys are prepared to do it, I can do this for you. Wow. You know, and that's how connected he, you know, but but because, you know, he was into his education. Said, yeah. You know, education's for everyone. And yeah. If you guys want some support with it, I'll I'll make it happen. It was so yeah. it was so cool. I'll never forget that. You know, after that. Yeah. To get thinking about, you know, you're never always going to play rugby. Yeah, you've got to have something. So yeah. for those, so for those who'll be listening to this, David Kirk was uh, the World Cup winning captain in 1987 inaugural tournament, and he played um, nine for the All Blacks, and I think he qualified as a doctor as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah Road Scholar as well. Road Scholar. Yeah. yeah. So nice man as well. Very yeah. nice man. So, uh, currently residing in Australia, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So, education, education, education. Yes, because and I, I, I'm working with my son's uh, team of the DPP team here. Um, and I always tell them those kids the same messages. You know, rugby is a thinking game. Yep. I think it's not. So you've got to, you know, you've got to be intelligent. Yeah. But that, you know, that goes into your life as well. You've got to have that, you know, some intelligence, intelligence about it. So, Gosh, I always remember being a kid and saying, you know, is it being told it's that top 2%? That's like, well, didn't, that top 2% didn't really matter much when somebody big was running over the top of you. <laughs> <laughs> the top two percent was probably uh, yeah. to run the other way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Hey, bro. Thanks. Thanks for uh, your time today. Uh, it's been mm -hmm. awesome catching up, and I will have a chat with Rosie about the 19th of June. We'd love yeah. to come. Um, so. And I'll drop you drop your line. But uh, you know, love to all the family. Yeah, you too, man. You too. And we'll uh, we'll speak again very soon. Yeah. Yeah. Choice. Awesome. Okay, my man. Kaki te. Kaki te. Bye. 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 Bye.